0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNC's apply. You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington. I saw my soul with my cigarettes to the black man. I've had the ma'am cold turkey from the ocean to the silver Good
1: morning and welcome back to Trots Live. JD back on deck, loves the Australian, the anthems. Yeah. Um, and there's another one for us. And um, he's an Australian hero. Professional punter Matt Leopard on the line. Noah's oh, the, sorry, mate, uh, you were close. Yeah. You were nominated, but unfortunately probably, uh, felt the final probably hurt Probably not being born here. That probably doesn't uh, put me in the category. Well, uh, given you spend 15 minutes in Ireland, I don't know if you're an Irish hero either, but we'll work through that, St. Patrick, uh, a little bit later so. in the show. I think I am. Uh, Maddie Levitt, how are you, my friend?
0: Hello, Jace. I'm good. I'm excited. It's into dominion week. Um, I didn't go to the Breeders' Crown on the weekend just because the weather was dreadful, and I'm sort of glad that I'd stayed at home because of the weather, but I'm sort of ruining the fact that I didn't go because I missed out on seeing Captain Ravishing do his thing.
1: Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't mind, uh, before we get stuck into the tips, um discussing a couple of those broader issues so uh yes the weather was awful but it didn't stop captain ravishing doing what he did and like, uh, where do you rate him now like i, I know he's good. i know from a um a, a record a curriculum vitae resume perspective he's got a lot more to do but in terms of raw ability i'm not sure we've seen that well i haven't seen that many better in the last in the last 20 or 30 years anyway
0: yeah i think He's definitely the, the fastest and most exciting three-year-old that I've seen in my time. Um, whether he can um, translate that into a bit of toughness as he gets older, because, he's, you know, once you come up against the, the Miracle Mile-type horses or into dominion horses as he gets older, you're not always going to get the front. Admittedly, he didn't get the front on the weekend, but when they're all pretty good horses, um, then, you know, you're not always going to get things your own way. So he's still going to have to develop as he gets older to go on with the job. But, um, in terms of sheer speed and um and excitement, what we saw on the weekend, I don't think i've I've seen a performance like that before
1: well, I'll tell you what uh, the, after there'd been some driving sideways rain comes out goes fifty one one obliterates the middle trip track record, and I did see some of the um so similar connections involved in sushi sushi to captain ravishing and just as i uh, as I swung by with my mouth agape after seeing what captain Ravishing did said uh. Is he better than... And I, I knew the answer, but I, I liked the response. Is he better than Sushi Sushi? And it was not, in, not even in the same world. So, yeah, um, and, and sushi, be sushi, sushi Sushi... Sushi Sushi was... I mean, we go back all the way 20-odd um, years ago, a little bit over to Courage Under Fire, and, um, and then Sushi Sushi would nearly rate as one of the better three-year-olds um, we've seen. Uh, so for Captain Ravishing to be called different gravy... It, it does tell you the esteem in which he's held. And as mentioned, I feel like um, two things that really even elevated the performance even further, uh, Dan Malecki's call and really letting everyone know in in those words, that is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. And then finally, uh, I had a chat, as I mentioned, on, on Twitter and on uh, radio the other day with Clayton Tonkin. And I think there'd been uh, previously maybe that emotional connection to Ride High that precluded Clayton from... Um, mentioning Captain Ravishing in the same breath, and also being in their position, Clayton and Emma, you, you, you've always got to be careful talking them up too much, don't you? Because you've got plenty of good horses and uh, and owners that all want their horse to be um, front and square. But I think from the conversation that I had with Clayton that um, we can believe what we saw. It was just absolutely amazing. And even Mark Pitt to say that having driven right high, he thinks Captain Ravishing's top of the tree. All of those comments add to the the promotional and marketing um, scope that we have with Captain Ravishing as well, I reckon, mate.
0: Yeah, just two key points. The first one, um, after what he did on the weekend, I think there's enough evidence there to suggest that that Victoria Derby final, when he sat in the breeze and and finished down the track, I think what I now reckon is that he might have actually not been right that night. Um, Yeah, I agree. I agree. I know it was an extra half a lap, but if you run an extra half a lap, on the weekend, he probably wins by even further. So I think I'm not saying that he necessarily would have beaten Leap the Fame if he was 100%, but I think he wouldn't have dropped back to be beaten by a large number of horses like he did in the end at the end of the derby. So after the derby, I thought, okay, that's where the horse is at. He's not tough. He can't run a strong 2700, and he got found out by Grant Dixon's tactics. But after the Breeders' Crown on the weekend, I'm now convinced that Captain Ravishing simply wasn't 100% in the Victoria Derby. Yeah, I the agree. Point of, I agree yeah, with that. But just
1: just quickly, what you said though is is should should be confirmed here because we don't want people to blow up. That's not to say I don't think either of us necessarily believe that means he beats Leap to Fame. Leap to Fame Correct, was still yeah. huge.
0: Correct. That's right. I'm not saying he necessarily beats him, but I'm saying he definitely beats the rest. Yep. And he only ran about seventh or something that night, I think, from memory. So the other point I wanted to make, if you look at Twitter over the next 24 hours after that the Breeders' Crown win on the weekend, mm. there was a hell of a lot of Gallops people talking about this horse. Yeah. Now, I can't tell you the last time that we had, like I don't think even when Lock and Varart was at his best, we had this many Gallops people saying, wow, look at this. And therefore this horse is probably the most marketable horse that this sport has seen for a long time. Thinking back to the Courage Under Fire sort of days, he's another sort of horse that captured the Gallops imagination because he was unbeatable. As a three-year-old, he won 24 in a row and he was knee-hide or grasshopper. And I think this horse has that X factor that can hopefully get Gallup's people watching our sport again.
1: I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I reckon part of it is, weirdly, because I talk about this regularly, that back in the day, probably the brutal, the more brutal the horse, the, 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 um, the more they represented or symbolized harness racing. But... You need to be glamorous. This horse is sex on legs. Like he's just he, Captain is an amazing name. He looks incredible. He floats. He, his speed is so wild, and the margins that he wins by uh, matters as well. Because if you if you um, if you only just just sort of beat your opposition, it's hard to really permeate that that line between harness racing and thoroughbred racing or sport in general. But when you bash their brains in at Group One level like he did. On Saturday night, it makes you a hell of a lot more marketable. Let's get stuck into the tips, and we'll start with race one on the card, the Garrard's Horse and Hound Pace. Who do you like here? It's a great night of racing. This is not one of the highlight events, but we'll get to some pretty soon and talk about um, the constellations of the Breeders' Crown, but who do you like in the first?
0: Yeah, so firstly, I'll just say all the tips that we're going to go through today, they're all Bendigo. Um, we're not going to go into state at all. Just because tonight at Bendigo, it's an amazing card. They've got all the, the constellations, the the crown, so there's some really good two- and three-year-olds and some trotters there. Um, so we're going to look at quite a few of these Bendigo races. The first one's race one. It looks a race in two, in my opinion, between numbers 10 and 11, Rock in the City and Miyagi Boy. Rock in the City has had three runs to the new stable, and it's the one I've backed here. It's been three... 20 into 2.20 Uh, Miyagi Boy's been $9 into $5 so they've both been backed but they both draw the worst. I just think um, with the the slight barrier draw advantage for Rock in the City I think he might be able to get around the field to the Breeze mid-race whereas Miyagi Boy probably has to sit back and come with one run so Rock in the City has had three runs to the new stable. It was super first up from the Breeze pulling its head off at Miraburra over the middle trip and just kept going Um, Swan Hill it got beaten right on the line but still went well and then it had to settle back in the field and, and sort of try and come with one run at Hamilton. And I don't think that really suited it. I think it seems like it's best suited up on speed. So if he can whip around the field to get to the breeze by the bell, then I think that gives it a big advantage over Miyagi Boy here. And I think the front-line horses, none of them are really much good. So if Jason Lee can get around there as soon as possible and dictate from the breeze, I think he might be too good. And um, Miyagi Boy might be spotting him just too much of a start. So that's race one, number 10, Rock in the City.
1: Race one, number 10, Rock in the City. We'll get through at least one more before we go to the news and find out what's happening in the world. There's still plenty of tips to come up at Bendigo, given what a great meeting it is. But uh, we'll go straight to race two now, Wadu Soleil. Justin Livingstone and Anthony Butt is your favourite here at $2.50 and has had support, but there's been support also for Valley Star. Which way are you leaning, Big Cat?
0: Yeah, it's a pretty good trotters race. There's nice tops here, but Wadu Soleil... Uh, If there's ever a race that he looks well-suited, it's here. He's drawn front row. It's only over the 16.50, the short course, which really suits him because when he leads, he can start pulling quite a bit. Um, But over the mile tonight, Ant's butt can just hopefully cross to lead and let him keep rolling, and, and that doesn't really give them a chance to get pulling if they just keep rolling over the short trip. So I think the planet's all aligned for him here tonight. I'm just hoping you can get across number one sting of a wasp. It does have some gate speed, but Rada Soleil is very, very fast. It's one of the quicker trotters in terms of gate speed um, in going you know going through the country grades. So as long as it can lead and roll along, it'll make it hard for horses like Everybody Loves Me and Valley Star to make round. Uh, over the short course at Bendigo in front's the place to be and I think that's where he will be tonight. So that's race two and number four, Rada Soleil.
1: Race two, number four, Auard de Soleil. And now we will move on to the first of the British Crown Consolation races, the third event on the card. So by 6.40, we could have our our, um, our boots filled. British Crown three-year-old Silver Trot. Aldebar- this is – I'm going to be intrigued in your thoughts here because uh, of the Consolation races, I thought this was one of the harder ones. Aldebar and Misty, 380 into 320. Kyvelli Piero, who we know has got a lot of ability – Four sixty into three dollars thirty. There's been a drift on for more wanted. Might have been better suited off a front line draw. Uh, and I'm Bobby's also there and has been supported nine into five. I am interested in your thoughts here and um, and and why you've chosen race three to play in because I thought this one looked pretty tough. Big cat.
0: Yeah, it is very open. Um, I'm with Alderbaran Misty here for so Ryan Duffy and Jeff Webster. It draws the best. Of the main chances. So it's very open race. Um, numbers three, six, eight, nine, they're all good chances. Number eight, um, I'm Bobby, trained by Eddie Tapp, and he's done all the driving on this horse, and there's a big driver change tonight, like James Herbertson and jumps on, because Eddie Tapp's driving the stable mate, number one, Millie. However, Millie's a very slow beginner, so it may drag I'm Bobby right out of it at the start, so I'm Bobby may settle near last. Um, so I'm happy to settle with Alderbar and Misty here, who I think is probably the leader uh, she's only a Philly against the boys. So the Trotters' consolations are dual-sex, whereas the Pacers mm. tonight, they split them by sex. But the Phillies get the preferential draw over the boys and the Trotters. So and Misty has some gate speed. I think it can find the front. Um, main danger is probably Clive Valley Piero on ability. I think he's the best horse in the race. Yeah. Um, he, he's had five, six runs back, this preparation for a first-up win, and then he's had a few issues since then with behavioural-type things. Um and I'd like to see Ryan Duffy play hardball here and hold the front. I don't really want to see Clive Valley Piero find the front. I'd rather keep Piero out of his comfort zone because that's when he's more likely to make a mistake and gallop and do things wrong. Mm. So if Duffy can lead and just keep bowling along and, and dictate the tempo on his terms, I think Alderman and Misty will be leading for a long, long way. It's just a matter of whether one of those... Dangers um, coming wide can run her down in the last hundred, but uh, at around uh, it was uh, they bet four forty last night into three twenty now. Um Valley Piero opened up favourite, but Misty's just into favourite now, and I think you know once again if we look at the horse, it's going to be getting the best run, and that's in front hopefully. Then Misty's hopefully the one to beat. So that's race three, number three, Elderberry Misty.
1: Are we thinking now around that three twenty marks getting towards? Rock bottom, or uh, I'm, I mean, you, I'm not going to ask you whether you're happy to take it because you've already taken a better price. But is like, is 320 a, about right
0: now? Come race time, I think all of these main four chances will start at least the price they are. I think that the market's found them all now. And then once the percentages get down from the, at the moment, they're betting about 131%, but when they get close to race time, and the market percentages get down, then the odds will all just um, quite sort of evenly drift out, I think. So there's no need to dive in at 320. I think you'll get at least that come race time.
1: All right. We've got four more races that we're going to play in with uh, Matty Leopard when we come back from the news. But for now, let's find out what's happening in the world. Any more craziness over there in Qatar? We'll find out in a moment.
0: You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington.
1: Glenn Freeman here. Radio Gaga. He trained Radio Gaga, didn't he? ready Leopard? Somebody I think, I think a few people might have trained Radio Gaga. Do
0: you remember that horse? Oh uh, yeah. Was, was it trained up around the Shepherd and region? Yeah, around, it? The, around that.
1: It had the um had the yellow and black colours, I think. But uh
0: Yeah, gee, you you'd taken me back now. That that'd be over ten years ago, wouldn't
1: it? Be about ten be about right on yeah, right on about a decade ago. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> little trip down memory lane. <clears throat>
0: yeah. you, you're, Speaking you're, of the Shepparton area, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, to getting up there. Um, it's my old stomping ground where I grew up, and they've got a round of heats for the Inter up there on Tuesday. So I'm, I didn't go to the Breeders' Crown on the weekend because I'm actually doing the all four of the Inter Dominion meetings. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to getting out to all of, all the, the regional venues and um, and then obviously Melton for the final.
1: And for those who don't know, that's Ballarat on Saturday night into Shepparton on Tuesday down to my stomping ground, Beckley Park, Geelong, the following Saturday. And then we wait a week for the Inter-Dominion Grand Final on what will be December 10 at Tabcourt Park, Melton. Um, that's a fair old, uh, th- th- they are going to be some road trips, but I'll tell you what, it is is, it it is it is just amazingly special, the whole thing. And I'm very pleased. I know there's been some conjecture about Shepparton getting um, getting heats, but... They really deserve it. Um, the, track there, the track there is amazing. The atmosphere that they will get even on a Tuesday night because it's a trotting town will be superb. Um, it's a tick for me.
0: Yeah, Shepherdon. for those who, who don't know, Shepherdon doesn't actually have a Gallops track. Um, the nearest Gallops track is Tatura, which is sort of 15 or 20 minutes away, but Shepherdon doesn't actually have a, a Gallops track. So, therefore, harness racing is, I guess you could say, the main co- racing code in the town. So they will get an enormous crowd there on Tuesday. Even though it's a weeknight, they'll get a big crowd. And um, and as I said, it's, it's just a thrill to sort of get around and see all three heats. Four years ago, when the Inter-Dominion was last in Melbourne in 2018, I was lucky enough to have a, horse, a share in a horse that made the final, Can't Refuse, who's yep. now recently retired. Um, and to this day, um, having a runner in a hometown Inter-Dominion final is still, even though he only ran seventh, I, I think it's still the biggest thrill I've had in ownership in the sport. Um, so those who do have a runner this year, um, make the most of it, enjoy it, and I hope you all make the final.
1: Everybody it will be living the uh, the same dream, and it is the inter It means something else for those who love harness racing. Right, race five, first league of the quarter tonight, and they've basically just paired off. Well, there's, there's three star celebrities out. Um, but it had to be at anyway, didn't it? Because it went through the uh, went through the final. So for some reason, there's been some massive market moves at the top of the market here. But last year, 12 months ago, a nutcase named Beach Memories, I backed in the very same race, I think, um, or, or one of these uh, consos for the the Vic Bread or the um, or the Breeders Crown. I reckon it was Breeders Crown, and she won. She is a nutcase. She's the one I'd be going with. But you you might be going a different way. What do you like in race five here, Big Cat?
0: Yeah, I've been burned a lot yes. by beach memories yeah, over it. the last few months. Um, so I, I just, I've i sacked her. I just simply can't back her anymore. Because the bottom line is she, she doesn't seem to score up with them very often. No. And even when she does score up with them, she still sort of starts 10 or 15 metres behind them. Um, she wasn't really doing this as a two-year-old, but there's, she's got to be in her bonnet now as a three-year-old. And, and I've noticed that Moran has essentially handed over the reins to, to Alfred permanently now. Well, that's because he's oh, he, he 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 sacked her as well,
1: I think, in, in terms of that part of it. But her worst performance ever. Uh, I was on track at Melton, and she she was just bucking like a rodeo horse before the start. And uh, I think I think Sal said that this isn't how I want to live my life. So he'll conti- continue to train her for some time maybe, but the puppet will be driving, yes.
0: Yeah, um, but for that reason, I'll back number two, our little Jet, who is the complete opposite to Beach Memory. She's a really professional little racehorse. Gets the good draw here. Um, gate 2 has gate speed. Um, Kate Gass goes on, looks the leader, in my opinion. There are a few Emma Stewart stablemates drawn out wider. Um, Mark Pitt is driving Joe and Joe, and he's normally the stable driver, but I wouldn't read too much into that in terms of which is the stable elect here, I think. The um, yeah, owners of our little jet get their chance here, so they'll want to lead and hold the lead and give her a chance in front, and I think she she can get the job done. Um, Beach Memories will probably have to go around and see outsider at some stage if she scores up with them. But if they're running around the 155 mile rate, then Beach Memories has to work even harder to loop the field. And um, and our little jet, she's she's going okay in the semi final. She ran seventh, which means she was the first one to miss out from making the final. And um, and she was off the pegs that day. So on the pegs tonight, on a pegs track in Bendigo, I just think she's the one to beat. She's already been six uh, 550 into three dollars and I think she will start favourite. So that's race five, number two, our little jet.
1: Yeah, and uh, j- just just to clarify there, I, I don't even know if I'll back Beach memories myself. I probably will, but I'll say this. I reckon if they ever sorted her out, she'd be, um, you know, one of the best two or three of her generation going around. That's how good she is. But um, let's go with our little jet from the big cat as the more professional one that's going to be in the right spot, not 15 metres behind them at the start. Race six, the draws have really... Well, you, if you're on Brutally Handsome here, and I suspect you are, uh, they've given you a, a very lovely price because you look at the front line and um, he's the only winning chance off the front row. And when you look at that situation, yes, there might be some handy ones off the second line, but Brutally Handsome's going to pinch a nice little march on them early, I would say here, Big Cat.
0: Yeah, um, but I'm surprised they went up the price they did. They opened three ninety into two twenty now. And I think um, the punters have seen it the same way as me, and that is the Priddly Handsome crosses to the pegs with all its main dangers drawn either wide or on the back row. Beach Villa, on ability, has the ability to win. It's drawn the outside gate here, though, but uh, it's turning into a bit of a, a money muncher. It's a former start two-year-old, but this season, very, very disappointing horse, who on occasions can really get pulling hard. In the semifinal, it sat on the back of Captain Ravishing and, and got pulling and, and dropped out, ran seventh, and beaten 39 metres, so missed the final. Um, Brutally Handsome has gate speed, so I think it's got the gate speed to lead here, and I wouldn't mind seeing it hold the front in this sort of race. Um, I don't think there's any need to hand up to Beach Filler because if it's posted in the breeze, Beach nah. Filler is cactus. It can't win the way it's going from the breeze. Off your rocker crocker is a New South Wales horse who's had one run under Emma Stewart's name down here in the semifinals. But if it stays on the pegs at the start, it's going to be three pegs at best. And it's hard from three pegs when you've got the favourite in front, hopefully dictating. So off your rocker crocker, I thought at 3.10 from inside back row, probably looks a bit short here. Um, and, and the other one in the market is major, major from the back row for Greg Sugars and Jeff Webster, but I, I'm not really a fan of that horse either. So I just thought Brutally Handsome ticks all the boxes here, um, gets the draw, looks the leader. It runs in the, the heat in the semi final have been quite good. So that's race. Six, number two, Brutally
1: Handsome for Ryan Duffy. Uh, so that is uh, Brutally Handsome. I'm sorry, I just got um, distracted for a moment because for some reason, uh, another one of our great producers here, A-Rod, has come in to shake JD's hand and they're shaking it like when you see it, like a G20 summit, just enough uh, enough time so that everyone can get their their photos to show the diplomatic relations between the German, Schmidt, and the Irish candidate or ambassador, um Donahoe is as good well, as it can possibly yeah, be. It's actually there's actually a, a thing behind this it's uh, we've got a thing that the first one to release the handshake is the weak one. So that's why we just keep going. Whoever, whoever releases first. That doesn't sound fruity at all. Right right we're going to go we're going to move on to to race yeah no keep touching that's good race 7 uh on uh, at or not, I'm just going to collect myself here Aussie Sweet Bee is another bit of a um a bit of a nutcase but has been heavily supported no doubting Aussie Sweet Bee's ability. She's uh, she's very very good. She'll look a bit funny at the start, won't she? Big catch. She just likes to hang a little bit and put her head to one side. But she might have these covered for talent. I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, she's uh, she's an ugly going sort of horse. She sort of hangs her head on the side and and looks looks awkward. But the ability certainly there. She's she's been racing against the good ones all the way through, and she gets the barrier draw advantage over her main rivals here in number seven Paradise Valley and in particular number nine First Dance, who's drawn the back row. Uh, there is a little bit of gate speed inside Aussie Sweet Pea, but she gets out of the gate good. I think all the horses inside her would be happy to take a sit on her. Um, I don't know if any of them, uh, including the fourth favourite, Delightful Tammy, I don't. Know, I don't think any of them are tough enough to want to lead and hold the lead in this sort of race. So, Aussie Sweet Pea, throughout the heats and the semi-finals, she was the only one. Like if you go back to the heats at Merriburra, she was the only one in this in this race that had come through those heats that really was competitive or a winning chance in the heat. She led in her heat and Perfect in Pink set outside her and beat her by six meters in the end, but she was she drew right away with Perfect in Pink at the top of the straight and, and was very competitive. Whereas the rest of these in the heats at Maryborough just sort of stuck to the back in the field and, and followed them around. So I think Aussie Sweet Peas, is the class horse. If it finds the front, I'm not sure if there's anything here that can come wide on the track and beat it. So it's already been two seventy into 70 dollar ninety five. I think the 270 was a bit big, so around even money is probably the right price. If it finds the front comfortably, then it's very, very hard to beat. So that's race seven, number six, Aussie Sweet Pea for Jack Law and Julie Douglas.
1: Race seven, number six, and I'll give you in the uh, uh, slip-in one in the middle here, the very next race, which is one that uh, Big Cat hasn't chosen to play in. I'm pretty confident that our Vinny will be able to beat Naturally Gifted, so... I'll be going with Evany there, and then we'll go What's to the
0: your speed map there, Bonus, Did you think Evany would hold the front, or another Nien might cross?
1: Uh, I think Evany will be able to hold the front. I think so. Um, another Nien has got uh, pretty good gate speed, but um, wasn't able to cross from memory the pole marker in the uh, in the semi-final that they were in. Well, did, did it get across? Did get across? Yeah, actually,
0: another Nien crossed perfect class. In yeah, that's thing. right.
1: It has it has got good gate speed, but I'm th- I'm thinking worst case scenario here. Um. even if even if another Nian does lead, uh, either our Vinny comes out and has another crack and gets in front of it or, very worst case scenario, I don't think another Nian's handing up to anything else. So you've got a situation where, if anything, potentially that's better for uh, our Vinny over Naturally Gifted because if you go to that hate run um, behind Techie's watching, uh, our Vinny was, I reckon it was three back the poles and it just absolutely flew home. So... I don't think speed's a problem. uh, The horse was driven a hell of a lot tougher at semi-final level and understandably um, knocked up slightly. But I think from gate one, it's going to work out well either way. But you've decided to target race 11. And again, I think you've set yourself, this is a nice little challenge because this won't be easy. But uh, are we going with black and gold?
0: Yeah, I'm not one to normally back Brett shit way too often. But I think this this mare looks really, really well suited tonight. Um, It's only a field of five. Um, wouldn't it surprise me to see Christmas Babe hold the front here. She's got very, very good gate speed uh, and she can get pulling a bit. So I think Shannon may just let her lead and bowl along, which means it might set up something for uh, the race for a Swooper and Black of Gold. Black and Gold I think is the class horse. She's racing really, really well. Goes best with cover. Um, last start at stall in what I think was a stronger race. She led and still ran second. Um, But I think if she was to just sit back and try and uh, follow speed and have last crack at them, I think she just might be too good for them. She has a short, sharp sprint, and that sprint is probably a bit quicker than what her rivals are tonight. So uh, she's into about even money now. It won't start any shorter. Um, So just hold fire. But I think, you know, she gets last crack at them. She might just run over them here. So that's race 11, number five, black and gold for... The great man, Brett Shipway.
1: Race 11, number five, black and gold. Um, great to hear you're, uh, you're on tour for the next couple of weeks. So um, this is going to be a massively exciting – it always is. But the three heats of the paces, three heats of the Trotters, so much to look forward to. So next stop, Bray Raceway, Ballarat, and I'll see you there, big cat.
0: I'll see you Saturday night, Bonners. Looking forward to it. There he is.
1: Matty Leopard. thanks to him for joining us. And uh, there's all those tips, and we'll make sure um, – to get them out, maybe on uh, on Twitter if we can. But uh, he's just targeting one track tonight because of all the good racing, the consolation racing for the Breeders' Crown at Lord's Raceway, Bendigo. Time for a break. When we return, we will have a look at those heats, both for the Pacers and the Trotters of the 2022 first round of the Inter-Dominion on Saturday night.